Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're back y'all Hold the Gravy episode 12 We made it this far Thank you for sticking with me My name is Hunter Romero I'm the host of Hold the Gravy podcast here We have a super special episode today I'm not going to take your time too much on the intro Because we have a lot of interviews to get to here On March 13th, I was able to visit Paint Delcom Day at the Pavilion we partnered with Shadows on the Tesh from New Iberia, which they host an event called Shadows Plein Air, which is a art competition. And there are Plein Air events all over the country, but this one is specific and unique to our region. I got to talk to a whole bunch of artists that were all sort of blown away by the beauty of rural Louisiana and was excited to be there and really excited to sort of show us their vision, even if they were first-time visitors to the area, it really showed me how much we may overlook the beauty of our region or our state or the bayous. But, you know, you get some fresh eyes on it. And when I say fresh eyes, like, these are definitely some very experienced painters that have painted so many different things. They've been all around the world, but they just had nothing but great things to say about Louisiana and about not only the hospitality here, but the hospitality from the event staff, their hosts, their family hosts that were seriously putting them up to stay for a few nights to paint all over. I think the rules are you have to stay in Acadiana, which is a few different parishes if, if you're not sure what Acadiana is. And uh, a parish is like a county if you're not sure with why we call things parishes down here, but it all kind of pans back to don't overlook the beauty of your region just because you've been there for your whole life and you may not see what somebody else sees in it. And um, personally, I've definitely ran into this issue with, with a lot of people that are close to me and a lot of friends and family that may think they don't have they don't have much here to offer or they may want to be somewhere else or they're constantly dreaming of another place to live and work. And I just can't say enough that talking with other individuals that are older than me, talking with other artists and creatives that have come here to, to lend us their fresh vision on Louisiana, it really did prove to me that I, that this place is as special as I believe it is and that it's as special as I try to let the Hold the Gravy listeners in on. It's not a secret anymore. Louisiana culture is what this whole podcast is about. It's what I want to push every time I talk here. And I'm just going to get right into it. I really don't have much more to say today. It was a beautiful Sunday talking with everybody. I was there from about 4 p.m. till the sun went down. We ate some great shrimp fettuccine cooked by the one and only Wendell Verrett and his amazing staff at Delcom Seafood and Farmer's Market. So it was a great collaboration. Shadows on the Tesh. We got six interviews that I'm about to bring you. So bear with me. Stay, stay focused here. Episode 12 coming at you right now. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Jade? Yes, Jade Buto. I am the Marketing and Programs Manager at Shadows on the Tesh down in New Iberia. But uh, we do partner quite a bit on programming and we work together to tell like a fuller history of 
um, New Iberia. So the Bayou Tesh Museum focuses on the history of like New Iberia and Iberia Parish. And at Shadows, we focus on um, like the antebellum period, talking about the Weeks family and then uh, the enslaved people that uh, lived and worked on the uh, Weeks family plantations. That's so interesting. I was just uh, explaining to a coworker of mine that my grandpa used to live right down here and his, uh, his property was, was up against some type of cliff from what I remember. And I guess it was, okay. it was sort of towards Weeks Island and, and towards the Delcom Canal and stuff like that. But yeah. this is such an interesting part of Louisiana. And I live in New Orleans, so when I, when I come here, it, it takes me a little trek, you know, oh, especially, okay. especially today. But I'm from Lafayette and uh, okay. just had family all around, mm -hmm. all around the heartland. And uh, yeah, so explain to me a little bit about what's, what are all these people doing painting in <laughs> town today on they must have brought a really gorgeous day with them. I mean, yes, they did. And as far as the cold weather is concerned, that's the fault of our judge, Mark Boges, who's from Vermont. Oh, he brought it with him. He did. And they just had like a huge snowstorm, apparently. So it just. He'll probably show up in shorts and a short sleeve. <laughs> probably. And just probably. flip flops. Yeah. Ready to dive in, you know. Dive in the bayou that's right it. there, right? He's going to high dive. <laughs> no, but uh, I. So he's he's judging, and this is his first time in the state of Louisiana, and all these other artists are not from Louisiana either. Yeah, no. So this is the Shadows in the Tesh plein air competition. Plein air meaning basically painting outside. Okay, and it dates to like the French impressionist paintings. Think or artists think Monet, right? Um, and so we have 27 artists with us this week from around the country, um, California, Michigan, New York, and four from Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken. And they have traveled here to spend a week painting in Acadiana um, in this plein air style. Interesting. So did they sign up for this? Were they chosen mm -hmm. through a database from, from you and, and Shadows, or was that kind of... Explain that. Yeah, so they all applied and then were juried in by the judge, Mark Bogus. We had, I think, close to 70 people apply this year. And so 27 of those were chosen to compete. Um, and these artists are doing like just phenomenal work. Wow. Like they're so skilled and talented. I can't wait to see them. I know they're setting up as we speak kind of behind us and... Uh, the public of Delcom is invited to come and check out their their finished pieces here on Sunday evening, and I know they're going to have some some food and some dinner involved. Yeah, and so we've been down here in Delcom all day, um, and the artists have been out and about painting. Quite a few of them are just enamored by the shrimp boats right. that are here. Right, they're always wanting to paint those because they're so unique and different. Right. I'm looking over here uh, at this this gentleman right on the corner of the dock and uh, painting little man. That that every time I come out here, little man's right parked right there. So pretty pretty special, man. I can't wait to. I really can't wait to see what other artists um, see in Louisiana and something that maybe people from Louisiana, born and raised like myself, may take for granted uh, the last 20 years of your life, and then somebody from out of state or wherever they're coming from comes and makes a new impression of, of what beauty is around this state, you know? 
So I, born and raised in New Iberia, left, came back home. I've been at Shadows for five years, so I've been involved with this competition for five years. Um, and I know my hometown. I you know, love it. I know the beauty of it. But exactly what you were talking about, seeing it through someone else's eyes makes you so much more appreciative of it. Absolutely. I mean, especially an artist, uh, a creative vision that comes down to South Louisiana on a beautiful March afternoon. And I mean, it really is. I, I can't I can't wait to see it's more and more easels are getting mm -hmm. set up behind you. So. So what else do you do, though? What um, tell me about your family You're born and raised New Iberia? And mm -hmm. what did your family do growing up? So, like, my dad worked in the oil field. My mom was a dispatcher for a trucking company. Um, I grew up about six miles from Avery Island. Went to elementary school there. Um, great memories. Uh, graduated from Nish. Did undergrad work uh, in Baton Rouge at LSU. Moved to Wilmington, North Carolina for grad work. Nice. In public history. And then got a job working in Durham, living in Raleigh. That was a bit of a commute every day. Um, and then about five years ago, I was looking to get closer to home. Uh, and one thing led to another, and I ended up right back in New Iberia and have loved almost every minute of it since then. <laughs> wow. So so leaving, leaving the state and then getting a new perspective of a, a new part of the country and then coming back. What, how, how was that as a, as an adult, you know? Um, I guess sort of like what we were talking about, a fresh look on New Iberia and, and the surrounding areas or? Yeah, definitely. Um, reali I realized quite early on in my return that there were things that I had uh, taken for granted as just like, this is how life is supposed to be everywhere, right? And it's not. <laughs> Yeah, you know that like nice southern um, friends everywhere, great food. Not that North Carolina didn't have good food, but just not the same kind of good food. Right, a little bit of know? different seasoning, I can imagine. Right, definitely. I love North Carolina. I, I visit there <laughs> quite often, and uh, go. I like the I like the Smoky Mountains a lot, and uh, mm -hmm. passing through Charlotte a couple times, and. Mm -hmm. Haven't done Wilmington. I have some friends that are from that area, and they live out in Louisiana now too. So, interesting, interesting area, and it's still kind of considered the southeast. Yes. But, but it's certainly on a different kind of coast, and Definitely. here, here down in the New Iberias and the Delcoms of the world, uh, it's just uh, we're unique. I guess unique, a little bit, a little bit different than the rest of everybody on this planet. Right, and that is one of the things that we hear consistently from the artists that are part of our competition. Um, just how you, nice, unique, different this area of the world is. Um, how everyone is so welcoming. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that just keeps bringing them back. Right, and they tell their friends and their friends apply and they come down too. So is there, I mean, you were doing the same type of work that you were doing here in, in North Carolina, mm -hmm. I, I assume. Um, is there events like this in those regions or, you know, getting the community involved, getting mm -hmm. art 
involved um, and obviously food and that's sort of what Louisiana prides itself on but I'm, I'm always curious to hear what other what other places are doing are they doing this on Sunday you know yeah so um, I was working in Durham at a place called historic Stagville so it was a former plantation site um, during the antebellum period and uh, there were a number of events, like as all historic sites do, that are education-based. Um, but uh, there was the focus was more on um, like African-inspired art, because um, there was a large enslaved population at Stagville, roughly about um, 900 people wow. on the eve of the Civil War. Wow! And the site has three. Uh, cabins that uh, date to the 1850s wow, that are that's... unique and different. They're two-story. Like you're not going to find many of those around. Um, and the site had a lot of primary sources that actually like talked about the enslaved people. So you knew names and ages and what kind of work they were doing, and you were able to track family groups over time so you could like follow these people and you had an opportunity to really get to know them as individuals um, which therefore helped you to better tell the full complete and inclusive story of life there um, and then uh, the site also continued through sharecropping up into the 1970s and so there was a lot of history there that's mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the East Coast and, and settlers coming from, from that side of the country, uh, I can imagine that mm -hmm. it's just an older older part of the country. And that's interesting. And, and uh, that's certainly different than maybe the way some other plantations may mm -hmm. not celebrate, but at least uh, just sort of remember all the people that sort of not only lost their lives there, but, but worked in some pretty harsh conditions and uh mm -hmm. it's it's something that sits sort of weird for me i mean being from the south and obviously just not believing in what enslaved people in in the plantations and uh, it's just a it's a hard history to, to sort of swallow mm -hmm. and uh it's it's weird to think like i guess if you rent i don't know i i was i was working in in my field and people almost just use the plantation as a as an event space and it's like mm -hmm. kind of kind of sat different you know it's almost like you need to you need to represent the history of of what that is the right mm -hmm. way and, and not just use it as a as an event space for you to have a, a wedding or something you know right and um it's a very important history that uh for people to understand Right. Right. Because um, it's a hard pill to swallow. And it has ramifications that like are happening today. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I think uh, I think as we get as we get going, the community gets stronger. That's that's what I'm pushing here with this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to at least show the rest of the world what's good about Louisiana culture. And, and that's what hold the gravy is about that's what okay. the name of uh of this podcast is so yeah. it's not only food and wellness based but it's it's certainly i i, I try to bring a a fresh look on louisiana culture mm -hmm. to people that 
may not totally understand it, you know, and may not yeah. may not dive in as much as I have in in the years. And my my family's born and raised here, so I'm, okay, it's been a it's been a good environment to grow up in, and and now living in New Orleans, I'm mm-hmm. I'm certainly expanding uh, all things. Mm-hmm. All things uh, Louisiana. I can't. I can't wear it on my chest big enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. but this is a beautiful day. The weather is honestly too perfect. I'm now that I'm sitting in the sun and that breeze is blowing. I'm. It's right on for me. So. Yeah. It's a great day. Um. It's a great day for art. It's a great day for live music and food and gathering and. Um, oh, we have a. We have a very important note that just got dropped down. I know. I think that that might be a sale. Ooh, that that double tap on the table. I think that might be someone wants to swipe (laughs) their card. That's a good. That's a good way to end. I think the interview. (laughs) I think so too. I mean, you know, and that's what this is about, y'all. Support arts. (laughs) Support people that are following. You know, not only their dreams, but trying to create things for you to enjoy and create. Culture and shadows and shadows plein air. We are so thankful to Delcom for opening the doors, for uh, invite for um, inviting us out today, for all of uh, for the food and the hospitality that they're offering, um, and for also providing what I think is probably one of the most unique awards on our docket for our plein air competition. So today, um, Wendell and some of his staff are going to choose the best Delcom painting. It'll be announced Friday night, and the winner will receive $250, not in cash, but in Louisiana seafood shipped directly to their door. How much so better gold. than that can you be? So you're saying gold right now. Yes. That's, yes. What more can you ask for here? That's that's the sister cities of New Iberia and Delcom or the cousins or the however you want to consider it. I really feel like there's a uh, not only a traditional relationship here, but just there's so much teamwork that gets done between those two cities. And ever since I started working with Wendell and the rest of, of the crew, I feel like New Iberia is always in the in the topics, in the discussion, you know? Yeah. How can we how can we team up? So mm-hmm. but Jay, thank you so much for sitting and talking with me before the event gets kicked off and that's good. That's really a great sign that this gentleman came and mm-hmm. dropped a sale on our table as we were mid sentence a little bit. I know, it's quite exciting. Yes it is. And and the event's just getting kicked off, so by the time you hear this interview, again, you probably missed it, but we'll uh, we'll try to we'll try to get you on the next time. Whoever's missing Paint Delcom Day, and mm-hmm. thank you again to Shadows, and we hope to continue to work together out here in beautiful Delcom, Louisiana. And thank you for having me today. Appreciate you. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Jerome. Jerome I'm, Weber. I'm Hunter Romero. Hey, how are you? Great to meet you, my friend. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing here with with Shadows. Well, I um, I guess, for lack of a better word, I started it. About nine years ago, I'm an artist and I'm a, I'm a banker at Community First Bank. And my son lives in Maryland, so I went to a plein air event like this in Eastern Maryland called the um, 
and it, it's been around for a good while. So I looked at it and I said, you know, I think we could do something like this in, in New Iberia. So I studied what they did. I, I learned the process. And, you know, now Easton's a different market than, than you know, New Iberia and Delcom. And so I knew that the price points and stuff would be different, but the concept would work. So what I did, I came back and I pitched it to a bunch of organizations and none of them really were interested in it. And so I talked to the Shadows, uh, Jade and Pat, uh, National Trust for Historic Preservation, pitched it, they liked it, and we started it and eight years later, here we are. And we've grown sales every year. Last year we sold over $40,000 in paintings. Wow. And Delcom stepped up to the plate. This, we did this last year here, and Delcom sold in one, in a short time like this, they sold $5,000 in paintings. That's amazing. So Delcom stepped up. We're really proud and glad to have them. So is there a partnership between Delcom and New Iberia in, well, involving this event? or they? Well, yes, they have Paint Delcom Day. Okay. So they I just pitched, didn't know if there was Paint New Iberia Day, too. Well. What the rules for the for the event is, you can paint anywhere in Acadiana. Okay. So that would include Lafayette, Vermilion, uh, Iberia, St. Mary, you know, Acadiana, and uh, some 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 events like around the country have restrictions. You know, like one day you have to paint downtown. Right. And we didn't want to do that. We wanted to give them freedom, and um, so when I came back, I said, "Look, we're not going to be able to match the money." But we can match the scenery, we can match the, we can beat them on food, and we can beat them on hospitality. And some of these artists and are the are the best in the country. And I know that sounds kind of goofy, but it's the truth. And they turn down big time places. Like a couple of them turned down a place uh, in Florida. There's an event that kind of coincides with our hours about the last two days of next week, and uh, by Jupiter, Florida. Okay. And Jupiter is a, a real right. high rent district, and they and they came here. Wow. So. so that says a lot about, I guess, the culture and the and the community that they get to experience. Correct. Not why you know while they're here to do a job or here to compete for for their art and in, in the competition, and obviously here to connect with with people who really enjoy their art, but they're getting to experience something within themselves, and and that might inspire their creativity you know well you know you know I, I do studio paintings as well as plein air and it's then the two are not related you know in a studio i can ponder i can think i can figure out don't want this light to hit here or not but when you're painting one it's live so the color's always better but you only have about if you're on, a, on a day like today you really only have about two and a half to three hours for that shadow and that light to stay in the same place the sun's moving so as the sun moves, so does the shadow. I mean, you, it's not on, it's, it's actually all the time. If you're too slow, you'll start like, right. like that boat right over there is in the sun. Well, if you wait too long, the boat's going to be in the shade. Right. So it changes your painting. Right, it and does. And you can't do that. So you have to hurry up. So it trains you to paint fast. And painting, I tell my students, I give art lessons too. I said, you know. I said, how many of y'all have ever played chess? And, you know, there some of them raised. I said, okay, well, I play chess too. And I said, when you're playing chess, you're always thinking two to three moves ahead. You know, I'm going to do this, and he's going to do that, and I'm going to do this. Well, in painting, it's like playing chess. When I start painting a painting, like if I'm painting that boat, 
I'm already thinking of what I'm going to do with the shadows. I'm already going to think about the light, what I want to do with the windows and stuff. And so as you work, and then sometimes you change your game plan, but sometimes you go through with it. So it forces you to make quick decisions, and then you get better. Absolutely. So when you do a studio painting, it's actually, it's not easier, but you can see it better. It You're forces seeing you it to in see advance, things. Right. right. Wow. I mean, so it's almost like, a uh, gentleman I was just speaking with, he, Richie? he yeah, Richie, the last year's, uh, yeah, he won last year's yes. competition, yes, and he's back again, and and he travels, and I guess he, that's what he's saying. He's almost training for, not speed painting, but two hours in a painting is is fast, and yes, it, it has is. to it has to sort of sharpen your edges. And well, I mean, sharpen your eye at least. You, you know, know? And, and and since I've been painting, and and, and you, a couple of things, you, all your teachers, the good teachers would teach you at the very beginning. You take a person who's not an artist and not a painter, and he'll look out at this sky and he'll say, man, what a beautiful day. Sky's blue and everything. But you look at a person who's an artist, and he'll show you right above that tree line right over there, it's actually whitish pink. I'll, I'll see a pink haze to that. You know, I see that boat right over there, and I see violet. I see lavender. I see some some... The, the sun at the top of the wind has kind of got a yellow cast to it. You start seeing those things. It's called local color. And you'll start, you'll start doing local color and you'll see things. And he was right. Everything my first teacher told me says, once you become an artist, you'll never see anything in the same light again. You'll always see color. Wow. And my wife started doing watercolor. I, she started doing it and I told her those things. And one day she said, you were absolutely right. It, it changes your perspective on everything. Wow. So it's pretty cool. It I is cool. It. It's very relaxing, too. That's why I started painting. I was a bank president. and I'm sure a lot of stress. It was always fun. Yeah, it was stress. Like and I'm 2006, sure you, you were probably looking for a hobby to, to well, sort of relax. Well, my wife was kind of hinting that I needed to find a hobby besides golf because I play golf, too, and that can be more stressful than painting and being a <laughs> banker. So I said, okay, I think I'm going to give it a shot. So I took some lessons with a friend of mine. And now, if I'm if I'm nervous, you can. It's impossible to think about anything else when you're painting. So I'll get on that easel maybe sometime seven o'clock at night. Before I know, I look up. It's it's ten fifteen, and you're tired. It's like you've been running a marathon. You you your your brain's relaxed. It's it's therapy if nothing else. Even if you join stickmen, draw the stickmen. Right. Does it does it help your mental health? Yes. Because I'm not, you know, if I if, if I'm if I'm nervous, when I start painting, by the time I'm finished, now whatever was bothering me, it's still there. It didn't go away. But now you, you know, the thing you you always hear people say, look, before you say something stupid, count to ten, and you may have a second thought of it. Right. This is kind of like that, but like on steroids. Right. So, a lot of times when I'm I'm finished, I'll think back and say, okay, well. Okay, now I understand what really happened, and rather than do something goofy, I made a, I make a better decision. So yes, I think it does. Overall, mental, your mental health gets better. That's really interesting to hear, and, and I know that there's all kinds of things that people pick up and different hobbies and, and sort mm -hmm. of different things to not pass the time, but, but maybe, strengthen, maybe strengthen your insides a little bit, that mental... That mental sort of stability to go through maybe a stressful job. And maybe you do have to work 
some crazy hours, but I think having something to go home to or I think, express, you I know. I think humans were born to work, but I think we were born to stay active. My grandfather's a perfect example. He ran a, uh, a company until he was like 75, sharp as a tack. 18 months after he retired, he couldn't remember my name. I mean, your brain is just like any other muscle. You know, you use it or lose it. And I do believe it's not a question of money. It's a question you want to stay active in things like this where this works. But you got to be involved in something. When you get to a certain age, and I'm 67, so when you get to a certain age, you need something to keep your mind off things that, in, in retrospect, probably are not, you know, not really important. But when you get older, you look at things in a different light. So something might aggravate you that 20 years ago, I could, I could care less. Right. You know, so. So I think painting is a good, whether it's painting, cutting grass, you know, uh, playing checkers, playing chess. Humans need something to keep their brain stimulated. That's what, that's my thought. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a firm believer of that. And I guess I have older grandparents now that I'm seeing retire and, and, and not go to work every day like maybe they have. And it's certain that that's happening. And, and it's slowly coming, it's, coming real. You mean becoming real for me and my family. And uh, They need something to do. Uh, I don't care if it's, it's got to, because the older people get, they get in a, a set routine, but that routine shrinks. Like, you know, well, I don't feel like, you know, I don't want to go to this, I don't want to go out of town, but I want to stay close by my house. And before you know, well, I don't want to go around the block, even as close to your house, because I want to, and before you know it, they're recluse, you know? So you got to force yourself as much as sometimes you may say, gee, I don't feel like going to the store, go. You're going to meet people. You're going to get your mind off of things. If you sit at your house too much, you're going to think about things you shouldn't. And before you know it, you're going to get aggravated. <laughs> and, and you start getting aggravated. So At things that you didn't even leave your house and yeah, experience you, them. You, you got you, aggravated just sitting in your chair, right. just getting aggravated. Whereas at least if you're painting, you're not thinking about aggravation. So I, I tell people, you know, say, oh, I can't, I can't draw a stick figure. Yes, it doesn't make a difference. If you start drawing, and I recommend people start drawing first before they start painting right draw learn perspective learn different stuff and before you know it that stick man will become looking like a human halfway along the way and before you know it then you start learning how to put shadows in the eyes and you know the eyes with the ear relation to the you know perspectives and stuff are you at a point now in your painting career where you may consider teaching a class or i do teach you do teach mm -hmm. we teach on wednesday nights on downtown new iberia uh, Bridget Fleming, a friend of mine, opened a new gallery called District Art. And my, my art's in there. Paul Shakespeare is uh, there. Um, Melissa Bonin uh, is in there. And, um, and on Wednesday nights, we, we move the, um, the portable walls where the paintings are on. Mm -hmm. And I, I teach about eight to nine people. And so, and it's like a litany, like a, a tree, you know. My first teacher was taught by a guy named Adam Schechner. And he painted, you know, every president has a painting. Mm -hmm. He painted John Kennedy's painting. Wow. So he taught him. Schechner got, and then Schechner got his lessons from a guy in Europe. 
and that guy, and then you can take it down the tree till you get back to finally somebody who taught somebody who taught somebody 10 times over was taught by Rembrandt. And that's the, the tree. Just like a tree when you go see your, your family tree where you were born. Right. Artists have a tree of people who taught them. That's amazing. It's cool. I guess I never thought about it like that. Everybody's got somebody who taught them. And, um, I mean, do you suggest on places around Acadiana to maybe look at classes? I mean, obviously, your, your class, I would, I, I, that, would, I would promote that. I would go to here, the, but... the, the Gills, okay. the, uh, the Iberia uh, Art Guild, the Lafayette uh, Parish Art Guild. But they can, you, get, you can get in touch with them. They'll find people who can, you know, artists giving lessons, whether sure. it's watercolor, acrylic, or oil, or pastel. That's amazing. I, I really believe that it is a, it's a strengthening a device. It always is worth a try, man. I suggest go get you a sketch pad and a, and a, and a charcoal pencil. And whether it's picking up a cartoon or t t getting on your phone and taking a picture of the front of your house and just start drawing it. So, there you go. That's good advice for me. I need to draw. I've always had, you know, go visions. Your, and go, go get your Well, in college, I do it all the time. Right. As a banker... When I'm in a, board, a meeting and it's getting boring, I'll start doodling on the thing. And it didn't help my college education a lot, but, <laughs> and I'm sure the board's not happy with me when I'm doodling. Right. But, that's, but that's how you learn to draw. So go what get your triggers, pen and a yeah, pencil. Like, what do you think triggers your mind, at least, to, to start doodling? What is I'm, that doodle I, well, feeling? Well, I'm probably ADD and probably autistic. Not artistic, autistic. <laughs> and so my, I know that my... My attention span is like two to three minutes, and for some reason, I just start drawing a tree, or I might just draw a dog or a cow, and before I know it, I look up and they'll ask me a question, and I can go right back to where I was. It just I just get bored fast, you know. And so, like I tell my wife when we go to church, I said, if, if the priest's sermon's gonna be over seven minutes, he lost me. I said I'm about to bail. <laughs> I'll start daydreaming, you know. So. And I think that's an interesting, I guess, concept, too. I mean, a lot of people, I, I feel like I'm in a ADD culture with my generation of, oh, I'm and maybe you, it's been like that even since look, you were my age. When I was but, young, I was, a, I was probably labeled a, a, a bad kid. And now we've maybe gone the opposite to now they label everybody. But I, I you know, and I didn't struggle through school, but it wasn't exactly I put the world on fire. But especially boys, you know, girls have always had a, a way of like keeping their attention span better. But boys, in, in college, sheesh, either I listened to him or I wrote notes. I couldn't do both. If I wrote the notes, I couldn't tell you what he said. Right. You know, and so I think I think and art also makes you concentrate. You know, and 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 it's like exercise for your brain. I like that. So. You, if you start drawing, then you, 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 you're critical of yourself, and you go, okay, well, those eyes look like bad. So I say, okay, well, what, what can I do to change that? So you start thinking, and it makes you think, and you look for detail. You say, what did I do wrong there? What look? You ever, example, you ever go like in a museum or, or a art walk? Next time you do that, go to an art walk or go to these. Right. And say beautiful paintings right behind. Well, us these here. people are all the best in the, in the United States. So, but you go to where there's a lot of amateur paintings, and you'll see a painting, and you say, "Gee, I like that," 
you ever look, but there's something wrong with it. I can't quite put my finger on it. And my nine, ten times, the drawing's wrong. The perspective is wrong. And a lot of artists are great painters, but you just couldn't draw. Hmm. You have to, so I'll tell all my students, take a pad and sketch everything. Like if you, you look at the building, that little red thing behind you. The top of the roof of this little red, this little red thing right here, if you look good at that top line, one, the left side goes away from you and the right side go away from you. It's not straight. But if I asked you to draw that, you would have drew that straight. Right. And you, all about perspective, I guess. And you have to draw, it's a vanishing point. You take those lines and go out, and some way back there, those lines are going to converge. So just learn to draw. Do you compare um, any type of photography to, to painting or any type of symmetrical? Art can take many forms. Right. A great photographer can capture the moment. <clears throat> and, but you're absolutely correct. If you look at some great, in fact, I do it now, but if you look at some great pictures of things in the past, you'll see perspective and, and value, like a dark shadow against a bright light, like, you might see a picture of the Empire State Building that's going straight up, vertical up, and at the bottom in the photograph, it's the, the, the building takes the whole picture, and when at the very point, it goes to like a pyramid. But the picture saw it. Now when you look at it live, you don't see that, that you, you don't notice the perspective. Sure. But, but if you drew it, you would, you, if I asked them, I said, Stand at the bottom of the Empire State Building and draw it. They would draw two straight lines and put the, the thing. An artist would go and do that. Right. And that's what you got to learn to do. Right. So, our architects learn. That's one of the few first things that architects learn is perspective when they're drawing their architectural rendering. You know, if you tell a, if you tell a, a child to draw something. The child is more apt to draw it perspectively right than an adult who doesn't know how to draw. Why do you think that is? They just see it uncluttered. They just see it. They now, if you ask, you know, like if I draw a house, you're gonna draw the roof straight with the gable and this. But if you ask a child, you know, they'll do this and they might do that. Not all the time, but there'll be. There's a study showing that ch children can sometimes put more perspective in a drawing than an adult who has no drawing drawing um, experience. That's interesting and, so. and I think uh, I think growing up somehow we as humans might lose an artistic thing that is in almost every child or oh, every yeah. you know and it just as you get older and older I guess it becomes it's like believing slimmer in Santa, and slimmer. It's like believing in Santa Claus. As you get older each year, it's a little less you believe in. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, but at least you can at least you can almost sculpt. A, you may see your kid as a young age and be like, "Well, that's a little bit better than than well, uh, his classmates drawing." Maybe well, let's maybe let's feed this creativity. Let's. Well, you know, not everybody can be the star quarterback. Not everybody can be the top basketball player. So, and there's nothing wrong with all that. But if you get if you expose a child to, to drawing, my daughter is 23, we had a late life child. She's in art design at UL, and she can draw better than me. But we encouraged her to draw because I was an artist. My mom and didn't encourage me to do anything. 
She didn't want me to draw. My great-grandfather was an artist. My, my great-aunt was an artist. My, some of my relatives, actually, uh, the Camilles, uh, a couple of them worked for Disney in California. So I have a history of art really? with it. And so Imagineers, or was it? were they kind of designing the... They were probably doing early cartoons and right. stuff like that, you know, just different drawings. But I've got one of the paintings of my great-grandfather, and it was good. Wow. And my, my great-aunt was a, an artist she painted till she was 93. Wow. So Those are some, some items to cherish. Well, I think it gets back to that we talk about keeping the brain active. I think you're as young as you think you are, and if you think you need to go to bed at 7 o'clock, then you will go to bed at 7 o'clock. If you think you're old, you'll get aches and pains. You'll, you'll groan when really there was nothing there. You just, you, it's, I'm 60-something, I'm, I'm supposed to groan when I stand up. But if you think you still do what you did when stuff at 40, and art tends to keep you young, I'm in my mind. So, there you go. That's a valuable that's lesson. <laughs> Man, that's that's a valuable lesson on a, on this Sunday here in, oh, yeah. in Delcom. And thank you for sitting down sure, with, I enjoyed with Hold the Gravy podcast. Okay, well, I appreciate it. That's what this is about, man, is uh, sharing sharing culture to different generations, and I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming down and, 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 and giving some, some time to our, our event. I appreciate 100%. it. 100%. I'll Thanks. see you down the road, my friend. All right, man, take care. Yes, yes. I do want to add one more thing. I'm getting used to this format of showing up to an event and interviewing, you know, five, six, seven people at the same time. So I do apologize if you hear me say the same couple things and the same talking points because it is in the same few hours that I'm doing these episodes. <clears throat> I do want to say one more thing, and uh, I appreciate your support no matter what, but I am getting used to the format of these episodes where I'm popping up to a function I'm pulling out my microphones, and I'm interviewing probably five, six, seven people in a few hours. So I do apologize if you hear me talk about a couple of the same talking points. And, and obviously, I am focusing around this event of Paint Delcom Day. So again, thank you for just bearing with me. Thanks for listening to all these, these different interviews and all these different great stories. Sounds good to me. So, Barbara. Yeah. Barbara Tapp. Yes. From, well, your, your name tag says California. Yes. I lived in the closest uh, suburb that anyone would recognize is Berkeley. Okay. So I live in the Bay Area. Okay. Okay. How, do you, how long have you lived in, uh, on the West Coast? I have lived in California for 42 years, but I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. 42 years? Yes. In California? Yes. Wow. How uh, how did um, the the process of deciding where to move in the United States come when you decided to leave Australia? You asked me a million dollar question. Um, we my husband is also Australian, and we travelled for eighteen months around Europe, and then we had six weeks in the United States. We caught a Greyhound bus from New York to the Bay Area, and when we hit the Bay Area, we said, if you could live anywhere in the world this would be a place that I'd love to have the experience and he was an architect and he applied for a job and was offered six jobs actually we wow. went back to Australia I actually got pregnant in Hawaii and uh, ended up uh, they one of the people wanted to sponsor us and we said nothing ventured nothing gained and we came wow we came for 18 months 
and then uh, the work was so interesting uh, because of the timber construction used in building houses because of sure. earthquakes and in Australia it's all brick construction and uh, he, he was just learning so much about timber uh, that he wanted to stay and so we got extended and then that grew into three children and 42 years later. Wow, that yeah. is an amazing story. Yeah, and, it is. And you're, you're here on a beautiful <laughs> Sunday afternoon in Delcom, Louisiana for the Paint Delcom Day. Yes, which is um, came about because of after the COVID thing, once some of these competitions opened up again, um, the furthest I've gone to is um, Pittsburgh. Uh, no, no, sorry, Pennsylvania. And it's a big uh, outgoing uh, to it, or an expense, basically, because you have to do the airline ticket. You've got to hire a car. I'm a watercolorist, so my paintings are uh, under glass. And uh, it's, so it's very awkward to travel with mm -hmm. them. Um, anyway, I said to myself, well, we're somewhere you know nothing about in the United States. And I had heard about a number of watercolorists who've come down to do the shadows on the Tesh. And I thought, it's only an application. It's only a little bit of money. And so I put the application in and they invited me to come. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Barbara, here in here in Louisiana. It is amazing. As a first timer. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Have you and and what's uh so you've been here a couple of days? Yes. Are you staying in Delcom or is it in Lafayette that you're kind of No, I'm in Delcom. Okay. No, not in Delcom. I'm in New Iberia. Okay, right down um, there. Yeah, with a wonderful couple whom the hospitality here is extraordinary. I mean the first night I arrived, I drove I I could get the cheapest flight direct because I was coming with two suitcases to uh, through Southwest Airlines to Austin perfect so picked up a car I love to drive I'll drive anywhere and that's a pretty interesting drive from Austin to here I mean you see I-10 mostly but you got to pass the, through and Houston. a lot of heavy container right trucks. Um, but nothing compared to the Californian roads nothing Californian roads are very crowded, congested, and they drive very fast. Right. And here, they're well-mannered. The car, the people who drive are fantastic. Uh, and the roads are beautiful. And the countryside was much nicer than I ever expected. Wow. So it was a great drive. I'm looking forward to driving back. Oh, absolutely, with a nice sunset at your at your uh, side. And well, once we get a few more days of painting in. I know, that's amazing. This yeah. is really such a great event that I'm, I'm really learning about. Uh, this is my first time at a plein air event, and I got to sit down with Jade, who's mm -hmm. sort of the director at Shadows, and she sort of explained to me all, all the process of, of how to apply and how to get accepted like like you did and, yeah. and that's exciting yeah and it is good it's and and there are phenomenal events that go on across the country um, it's a little more of a risk to do it and then travel because of the expenses but it's such an adventure and as I said I've never I didn't know anything about Louisiana I knew nothing about the culture the customs I didn't know about the beauty um, I didn't know about the moss-covered trees. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, tomorrow I think I'm going to go to Rip Van Winkle Park. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, paint some of the landscape there and the shrimp boats. I didn't know anything about that. 
So it's, yep, and it's just and you just got to eat some some really fresh shrimp in the dish. And I had crawdads. <laughs> yes, crawfish then, season. Yeah, you, you're, you're not crawdads. crawdads that's the crawfish. nickname. No, you sound yeah. like a local. You're good. Okay, but the, <laughs> the amazing thing about that is that uh, I expected, as would be normally, you'd get twelve. And at the Pelican in New Iberia, they gave me this huge platter, <laughs> and I just sort of was endlessly undoing these little critters <laughs> yeah. having a looking at them sort of wanting to draw them but i didn't oh that would be i would love to see your perspective of that that's that's what for me i'm born and raised louisiana uh -huh. that's the most interesting part of my day is meeting meeting people like yourself to see your perspective of an area that i may have looked beyond the beauty okay. a few times yeah. And uh, I know a lot of people that I've grown up with may not see this place for as beautiful as I know it is. And for as beautiful as you're, you're making it because you're painting it and you're here to, to give us your fresh perspective. Yeah, and that's a good thing about even though I looked it up on Google and I tried to do research, it did not prepare me for the bayou life and the amount of bridges that cross over the bayou, the, the boats, the kinds of crafts that go up and down it. Right. Uh, that I was not expecting at all. Um, also how flat it is. Um, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. And then the other thing is that I went to Port of Iberia mm -hmm. and I just love those amazing boats that they've got down there and they up and something they're called I don't know. It's some craft that they've got with the big long poles. Right. Uh, something to do with oil. But I, very exciting. I think I know. I think I can. I can put a, a, a finger on what you're talking about. But <clears throat> that is so interesting, and mm -hmm. it is so great to talk to an Australian here in Delcom, <laughs> Louisiana, where my family's from. You know, I mean, my my grandpa lived here. My family's from Acadiana, which is sort of the surrounding area of. Yes. Of the heartland yeah you know, i heard a bit of the history of that it's interesting you say that because in choosing to live in california uh, i actually went with my husband to a cocktail party one day and looked at the gardens in this suburb and said if we could live anywhere this is where i would live and he said why and i said because of the gardens mm. and here i've already noticed that you've got species of plants that we grow in australia Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you have a, I don't think you call it Nandina, but it's an ornamental uh, bamboo. It's not by that name. I don't, it's got a bittersweet or bitter, maybe bittersweet with little red berries on it. Okay. That That is an Australian plant that I see. It's obviously imported. Right. But gardens do really affect me. And so we chose living in a place because of the gardens. Do you grow a, a garden at home? And yes. you vegetables and um, I have citrus okay so oranges and lemons and uh, the vegetables I have tomatoes I live in a fog belt okay and uh, there's a saying you don't come to San Francisco in the summer without a coat and that's because the fog comes in the heat can be 110 104 and it's so hot but the sea is so cold from Alaska that it forms fog that comes uh, over the land and my temperatures in the summertime is 65 degrees. Wow. I can go five miles from my house and it's 30 degrees more, so it's up to 100. 
isn't it so crazy? I mean, the United States yeah. and the different geography, the different ecosystems here that you can drive from the Rocky Mountains to Austin to the swamps in two days. Yes. And you can really see so many different landscapes, like you're saying, on the highways. And, and, and uh, I know you had mentioned you're staying with two great hosts um, out in New Iberia and they're providing fantastic hospitality in South Louisiana. And that's they are. They had me at a restaurant the first night. And then it's interesting with the effects of COVID, if I'm allowed to say something, um, we've been in isolation so much. And we're in California, we're still in isolation. There isn't this, the, we've been discouraged to have groups getting together. And I go into this restaurant and I'm meeting childhood friends. I'm meeting people who went to Mount St. Carmel. Mm -hmm. um, I'm meeting people who went to the Catholic high school. I'm meeting people who went to these other schools. I'm hearing, and, and like you, this is a place of generations. It is. Which is not California. Interesting perspective. Yeah. So it's really wonderful. It's is, like is Australia? Oh, yeah. Australia's still, you know, we have our doors open and you can drop in and have a cup of tea anytime. And it's fantastic. And I get the feeling that that's like here. It is. It may not be tea, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. I had a, uh, I, I'm, I live in New Orleans, so I had a, a, a parade pass by, the Irish yes. Channel parade passed right in front of my house yesterday. So there was probably about 150 cups of tea and different people that came ah, through. And I would have felt at home. It was nice. It would have been a scene to paint. I was, uh, again, a I beautiful bet. day out there and. You're you're such a talented artist. I I, I saw your painting and I'm really uh really honored to sit here with you. It's Thank you. Yeah, I'm I, I'm having a blast actually. I took up painting ten years ago, but I'm an architectural renderer, so I draw houses right. for the real estate market, which we still do in in conjunction with photography. In the area where I live, they love hand drawn houses. Right. And I've had that business for. 38 years that's amazing does it does it change over the years obviously due to animation graphic not, design not I mean no they like a hand-drawn hand watercolored and I do um, five at least a week Wow but on my best day that I did was 60 but they're all black and white okay and I would do over a thousand a year what a business. I it mean, what, what an entrepreneur and, and uh, you are. And that's that's admirable. It really is. Yeah. To, but the plein air painting, I only started uh, 10, 12 years ago. So traveling and, and competing, you're you're able to learn about, I guess, different cultures of the United States. Even Absolutely. still, you've lived in the United States for 40 plus years. And, yeah. and you're just now getting down here to Louisiana. I and, know. And I will be back. Oh, that's I'll, I'll hold you to that. It's on Good. it's on hold the gravy now. So that's great. <laughs> so that's what hold the gravy podcast is for me, and and uh, meeting new right. people and hoping to, hoping to spread it to Australia and Good. let them hear about good Louisiana culture and trying to pass it down to, to my younger generation. You too. know, I think I came with this open book feeling of it is an area I do not know anything about. I had no idea about the history. I knew, I did not know about that Rodriguez, the artist, was born here. I've discovered other people. Jefferson, I think, 
was born here. I've heard about the salt mine sink, right. the sinkhole. Right. Um, yep. I, I'm learning from the, my hosts who keep giving me tons of information. I get into bed at night and I read things and I look things up. It wasn't as easy to find things, but now that I'm here, I'm actually learning a wealth of, of information. That's, a, that's amazing. And if you're here until next weekend, there is a very famous festival. The Literary Festival. That one. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that one, but that okay. one sounds famous. This is a uh, Cajun and Zydeco music festival oh, that happens love that music. in Lafayette. It's okay. uh, They don't do it in the spring, but due to the last few years, things rearranging, I think they may be having two of them this year. So next weekend, March 18th and 19th, uh, Girard Park in Lafayette. Right. There's Festival Acadien. Great music. A Creole. So wow. I might have butchered that accent a little bit, but <laughs> it's uh, some of my favorite music, some of my favorite uh, bands, and, and my family is a, a musician family. So I, I was taught at a very young age about Louisiana culture and, and uh, blues and Zodico music. Well, we have this man playing behind us whose name I don't know. Um, but he's been he's amazing great. today. Really, really good. He's, he's extremely talented. I get to see him every yes. time I come out here to the farmers markets for the first of the month, and he he right. kind of he sets up over there, and and he really just kind of fills the the atmosphere, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and if you if your clientele, your audience could see where we're sitting right now, I don't think you'd believe how beautiful it is. We're right on this bayou, and we have shrimp boats just in my view, and a vast, beautiful sky. Absolutely. And we just, yes. we during our sunset, I mean, during our interview, we got to witness the sunset. Yeah. So yeah. it is, uh, you know, I hope we get to cross paths again. Good. Please, uh, please, please, you know, keep in touch down down in Louisiana, and uh, we'll, we'll do the same. So. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much again, Hold the Gravy listeners. My name is Hunter Romero. I really appreciate y'all sticking with me. This spring has been a great time. We got a lot more markets coming up the first Saturday of every month out in Delcom, Louisiana. You can visit the Delcom Seafood and Farmers Market. Thank you so much for the collaboration with Shadows on the Tesh. Thank you for explaining to me what a plein air art event is all over the country. Thank you for letting me be a part of the Louisiana stop on the Plan Air art circuit. And thank you to all the artists from all over the world that sat down and talked to me and told me a little bit about your story. I know my listeners at Hold the Gravy cannot wait to dive in on more episodes, and I'm so excited to bring you the rest of the spring season. If you haven't done so, please visit the first 10 episodes do your research, do your homework. I think you'll learn a little bit about what we are here and what we're trying to do. And thank you for just listening to us talk about the great state of Louisiana. I hope you're trying some dishes at your house. I hope you're cooking it up this spring. Maybe you're ordering some fresh seafood from our website. That would be the smart decision. You can put it in your freezer. You could save it for all spring. You could cook it whenever you want gumbo season's almost over it's getting a little bit warmer down here we've got our last little bit of cool fronts coming through so take advantage of those days light a bonfire in your backyard cook a big gumbo 
freeze some, save it for later, invite your in-laws over. That's just how we do down here. Much love to you. Thank you so much for supporting Hold the Gravy Podcast.